0: This group of talented musicians, I like to see them, I'd like to see them more often up here. Maybe without the sweaters. (laughs) No, they're great. Well, we continue again on our Advent series. Uh, Advent meaning coming or the arrival. If you have not uh, downloaded the last two messages by Ben and Nick, I would encourage you to do so. There's just kind of a building theme that uh, we want you to keep and have uh, pretty much an Advental atmosphere or an attitude of, uh, of looking, of anticipating, of the arrival, of the coming. Uh, last week, Nick talked uh, about the how to lead our heart and uh, to keep our pleasures in check. I, I love the theme of train our hearts to want the right thing. And sometimes there's a confusion in our life between what is our heart and what is our feelings, what is our emotions. And sometimes our emotions are strong and we feel like we're following our heart, but sometimes we're simply following our emotions. And, uh, and so how do you know the difference? And I think uh, what we want to learn to do is in your heart, If you have come to a place of understanding the uh, life of Christ and he inhabits your very life and you have accepted that gift, your heart has good things in it. Your heart is brand new. Your heart is longing for that which is right, that which is healthy, and that which is good for you. And so if we can go ahead and silence some of the outside influences and silence sometimes the pleasure, not that any of the pleasures or many of the pleasures are not good in uh, themselves, but if they are somehow uh, prioritizing themselves ahead of God, then they get confused, they get upside down, and they will leave you in despair. So we train our heart to want the right thing, and that's why we talked about even fasting from certain things, fasting from things that sometimes occupy your life, occupy your time. When... when Stuff gets going on, whether boredom or tension or stress, we turn to some things. and And what it was encouraged is during this season for you to to lay down, not as any type of a legalistic thing, but just to lay down and say, God, I want to train my heart, and I want my heart trained to desire you. The more that I do that, the more that I become familiar with it. So I encourage you to at least, uh, go back and listen to those, and and I think they'll be very beneficial. Today we move into a topic of Advent, and it's called hope. Uh, and hope is a huge, huge thing. Uh, in this world, uh, you're going to see that uh, living without hope is shattering. Uh, it, it's basically the, the Scripture talks about that hope that is deferred will make your heart sick. It literally leads to a troubled, anxious heart. There's anxiety that comes with no hope. If I don't have hope, then my world becomes anxious. It becomes out of control. Uh, But then it says hope, realize, is sweet to your life. The word there literally means there is a peace. There's an ability to lay back and rest. And so uh, I am going to try to walk you with me into what I believe has... Uh, been at least one of the things, I, I believe, the only thing that really gives real hope and the only thing that allows me to, to rest in and fall back into hope, and uh, especially in a world that is filled with uh, chaotic turmoil. And if you have not noticed that this world has uh, a lot of disturbances, a lot of uh, distress, a lot of trials, then just Wait. Uh, because if you haven't, you're just not old enough yet. And uh, <clears throat> if you've made it through, I'm, I think you should pinch yourself. I'm not sure if you're human. Because I think that uh, to live in a world that uh, is not living the way God designed it to be is going to have all kinds of turmoil. And what can we offer people if we can't offer them hope? So if you would turn your Bibles to 1st Peter chapter 1, Peter chapter 1. 1, Peter chapter 1. We are going to walk through 1 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 3. And to give you a little bit of a background of the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter was written uh, right before one of the greatest persecutions uh, of the church. There was times that persecutions were coming, and uh, they were going to be persecuted. There was going to be all kinds of trials and Peter writes to them because the beginning of the persecutions were going to come and we see that the persecutions were very very painful I'm not saying that the persecutions then were any greater than some of the persecutions that you and I experience today some of you may say I will take that persecution of possibly going to death if you will simply just remove this pain I have with my daughter or my son or my friend. Sometimes emotional persecution is huge. God says that uh, in the scriptures it's been recorded that the same amount of suffering is required from your brethren throughout all the world. We all suffer in this world, we all are going to suffer. And therefore, we need to know that when Paul wrote this, he wrote it for those of us that not only would be in the midst of suffering, but those that would be headed towards, maybe even unaware, this suffering is coming down the pike. My word for you today is, whether you're in it right now or whether it's coming down the road, you have no idea what's going to come upon you. And in Philippians Paul says these circumstances they came on him they, he did not look forward to him they came on him he didn't know they were coming but what do you do how do you get this hope where's this hope come you can't just sit there and conjure up hope people say well hope in God well great uh, give it a shot and, uh, and we'll see kind of how, does it, how do we make and put somehow some flesh onto this that it makes it real so that you can walk out of here and somehow say, you know, I, I think I have some more grasp of how to gain hope because without hope, it is going to be a horrible journey on this planet. But I believe that we can walk through with some sense of hope that somehow allows, uh, in, in a sick sort of way, welcomes what this world has to throw at us, because this isn't our planet. This isn't our home. We have another place, and we are looking forward to it. And there is a hope that's there. So if you will walk through with me in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 3. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. I want to stop there and and, and listen. This hope is not something that's just out here, vaguely out here. It is a living hope. Living means it is alive. It has been placed in you. It bears life in you. If you have come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, he is the God of hope. He, He brings with him when he comes and abides in us. He brings with us hope. It is in you. I'm going to try to at least show you how to draw upon it, call upon it. But you have the ability to choose it. You and I have the ability to choose hope. We can choose despair or we can choose hope. But it's alive. It's living. It's not something that we're going to try to make alive. It's in you right now. I'm not going to give you anything you do not already possess. It was given to you by God because he knew that in this world you were going to need it. He says everything you need pertaining to life and godliness, has been granted to you. It has been poured within you. So it says, I've caused you to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I pause again on the resurrection. The resurrection is the foundation of our hope. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, If Christ did not raise from the dead, we are the most to be pitied then we're declaring a gospel or a message that does not have a resurrection, then basically we are to be pitied and there is no hope. But he goes on and he says, but he rose. And I I like the confidence that he says it because you'll also see in there, it says he appeared to the 12 disciples. He then appeared to James. He appeared to 500 other witnesses, most of them still alive. Then he goes, oh yeah, a couple of them have died. But he says, and then he appeared to one of the most unworthy ones. He appeared to me. He says, I'm telling you this. And he declares in 1 Corinthians 15, he is alive. I saw him with my own eyes. Do you know that every disciple, every disciple in there somehow was, except for John, and even John declared it over and over again, they went to torturing death declaring they saw him raised from the dead. Now, a lot of people might die for certain things, but for them to say, eyewitnesses, you're going to ask us to tell you that he didn't raise from the dead and he's not alive, how could we? We saw him with our own eyes. That is a testimony alone for you and I to realize the resurrection is real, he is real. Now, some of you, I know, have different experiences in your own life. I hope that all of you, and somehow by embracing what we're going to talk about today, will we'll go ahead and, and know this resurrected life that it isn't just somebody we're believing in. Every other doctrine in the world, every other religion in the world, Mohammed and Buddha and uh, all of them that are out there, they are not talking about a living God. All of them died. Buddha died. They all died. We're talking about a living God that inhabits you and me. Hold that thought because by the time we get done here if anything today I don't want you to miss is this. He is not only alive he has not only inhabited your life but this Doctrine of the union of God in you, this doctrine of being with God is going to be the only, only source of your hope. And we're going to even kind of strip down that doesn't mean that you're just doing Bible studies. It doesn't mean that you're just praying. It doesn't mean that you're just kind of all the different religious things. You come to church on Sunday. It has nothing really to do with any of those. It's that he is with you. And we're going to show you why that is where this whole theme of this hope comes from. When Mother Teresa was interviewed in her last days by a very popular uh, TV uh, person, uh, the news guy, he was talking about prayer, and he says, Mother Teresa, could you kind of tell us what do you do in your prayers with this God of yours? And she said, I... I just listen. Well, then then what does he say to you, then, when you listen? He just listens. This announcer had no idea what she was talking about. She said, you see, he's just with me. He's with me all the time. So as we continue on here, it said so that you might obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved for you in heaven. Again, I want to pause because most of the people that I know, including Bill Ewing up here, sometimes I lend to get my hope out of something external, something that's external outside. It doesn't matter if it's something that, well, if my... If the economy will just be solid, if I have some really good assurance that I'm going to be okay when I get older and be taken care of. Or maybe that my family is going to just all grow to be happy and and marry godly spouses and have godly children and come and and just want to play with their grandparents. Or maybe it's just that I will go ahead and this body will never get old and fade away. It'll It'll just not age or whatever it might be. We tend to draw things from external that make us happy. I never have anybody come to me and ask me for hope when things are just going great. They never want that. But here's the devastated thing about having hope in anything external it says here that those things will fade away. I'm not even talking about heaven, they will fade away on this planet. They will fade away on this planet. I walk up here, I'm glad a lot of you didn't see me walk up here. I didn't walk up here jumping and skipping. My back hurts, I can't hardly move, I've got a cold, I've got a sinus infection. It's all fading away. Whatever problem you've got externally, something in this world, chaotically, will wipe it out. If it's your family and you've got your family so nice and knit together, just wait. And then what happens is your hope goes down as fast as you're putting your control in You cannot control this planet. It is a chaotic sea. And if you'll look in the scriptures, it's kind of an interesting study to do on your own sometime. That the earth is described many, many times from the Old Testament to the Psalms to the Gospels as a raging sea that cannot be controlled. But many times it comes in, and when it comes in, it comes in places where God steps into the sea. And even I love a psalm that says, And the the sea, the, the turbulent sea, saw this mighty God, and it stood hushed before him. Remember the sea? where all of a sudden, they're in the sea, and it's all disturbed, and God says, Be still, and the whole sea shut up and became smooth like glass. And it said, Then the disciples were really scared. The point that he's making is this. This earth, this world, your life, your external values, all the things you have are a sea, and you cannot control the fact when a tornado or a tsunami or something hits and wipes it out. You won't be able to control it. And in this world, there's going to be those things. Pay attention to who's with you in the boat. Who's with you? The disciples at that time didn't have any idea who was with them. They still had this external view of Jesus the Messiah to give them a kingdom on earth so all of their external things would be there so they could have hope. They did not understand that he was talking about something way bigger. Not only the fact that there's another world and another kingdom, although he was, he was talking about something even greater that we don't want to miss today, and that was this I am the Messiah. That means God with you. I'm with you. Anything that comes down your path, if I'm with you, you're gonna see this. I had an illustration, a lot of times I I pray for illustrations, normally my talk is ready about a month ahead of time, but I have illustrations, I wait and wait and wait and I, I get one and then another one comes and I cross that one out and then another one comes and I cross that out. Then I go back to the first illustration and so on the way up the hill, I got my final illustration. So you've got a raw thing of a new illustration. But not long ago this year, I was asked, I was given the privilege of going to Washington, D.C. and to, and to be a, do a prayer on the Senate floor before the Senators of the United States. I was honored to do so. I didn't know it was a big deal. I just thought, okay, that'll be good. Uh, so when I was going there, people said, oh, you're going to get to go, you know, to the senate floor and said yeah and now i am not a person of detail uh uh just those that know me know i'm not a person of detail i always just kind of see the finished product what i see is what prayer will i pray how will it impact senators if anybody even listens and does it have the ability to make any type of difference there and then i see myself on the senate floor saying the prayer I don't pay attention to how I will get there. I luckily had my oldest son, Jesse, who is a very detailed person, he pays attention to detail. And so because he pays attention to detail, he kind of knew you know, where we go, where we catch this underground uh, train that brings us underneath so people can't see us and how we can come up into, uh, into the house. And, and so he's, he's got this. And so I've got some confidence going on and I am hopeful that I will arrive on the floor. Okay. I would say I'm wishful that we'll arrive on the floor. But even with his detailness, there was a lot of, lot of security. Do you have a badge to come in this way? You can't go in this one here. Uh, you can because you're going to be doing it, but he can't. I can't be separated from my son. I don't know where I'm going, so, so we're doing this. But sooner or later, uh, the senator that invited me there shows up and he gets in the car with us. Instantly, I know I'm getting to the Senate floor. Now, Jess had a lot of detail, and Jess had a lot of things, and he had read, and he had studied, and he even knew this underground system. He was aware of that, but not until I was with Senator did I know, I have pretty confident I'm gonna land on the floor. You and I have a lot of people that know stuff, people that tell you about scriptures and what this word means. And you'll hear messages from your pastor and people that will talk to you. And, and they're doing their best to give you the information. And that information is to tell you we're not without hope. There is something that's true. We're telling you things that are true. And if you'll meditate on these things. But by the way, All this information and all the Greek study of this Bible and all the studies of Bible studies you go to and all the giving you do is not going to give you hope. It might lean you to be wishful, but until you're with the one that is the God of all hope, you're not getting there. The hope is not going to come. I wanna pause here and just tell you my heart. When I was given this passage of scripture, I want so bad to somehow reveal to you something that will make a difference to you. And when I kept asking God, what do you wanna do, what do you wanna do? I think God just basically came back to me and said, what in your life gives you hope? In the midst of a turmoil turmoil world, Where does your hope come from? Without one minute passing by, I could give you the answer that I want to give you today. Being with him in me is the only thing that gives me hope. Now we're going to go on to see that we're going to receive an inheritance And we're going to have new bodies. We're going to have all kinds of cool things in heaven. It is going to be, it's suggested what will be. And by the way, I would love to sometimes sit down with a coffee and tell you what I think those bodies are going to be like. And what it's going to be with animals that are going to be there. And all the different things. And I could tell you all of these things that I believe doctrinally that I think I have found that are going to be true. But they don't give me that hope. They elude me. They point me to the fact that there's something God told us. But frankly, I don't really care what type of body it's going to be like or not because he's in me and he says, Bill, I know what you need and no good thing will I withhold from you. My confidence is in him. He is going to make it all right. When I'm going through things with my children or their children, so that they're grandchildren, and they're tough, and I just get, I look at scriptures, and I'm praying, and I'm fasting, I'm doing whatever I can to have God change my children, I can sit there and say, you know what, how about if you and me, let me just, us together, walk through this issue. If I'm married, I want to do it with God. If I'm single, I want to be single with God. If I'm a mechanic, I want to do, be a mechanic with God. Regardless of the situation, it is the with him that gave me hope. And as I began to look at all the other scriptures that I cross-referenced, all the other scriptures that I cross-referenced here says this, each of them. For it is for this we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God. That word is combined with the living God, united with the living God, who is the Savior of all men, and especially of all the believers. First Timothy says, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be so conceited or to fix their hope on any exter- uh, uncertainty of riches, but on God, with God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. With him. It's the with him. My youngest, son's ha- my youngest son has two kids, and his youngest boy... Eli is just a cute little bugger and he, he just is going through a little turmoil because there's just stuff going on in their life and he who seems so uh, secure and stuff is, has become very insecure because of the turbulence of life and the turbulence that have come upon him. And sometimes he'll be over at the house and he'll be kind of sitting there as happy as can be. But when something gets out of his control, there is a desperate fear in his eyes. And he says, I want my daddy. I want my daddy. And I'll walk him down. Says, Daddy's downstairs. We'll come down. He'll see his daddy. And he'll run over and grab his leg. And instantly he has hope that this is all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. I'm with the one that will make it okay. He doesn't even know what Kyle will do. He doesn't know that there's something Kyle will do other than he's with him. I have that in my heart about heaven. I have that in my heart about the turbulences and the trials of this world is sometimes I have no idea how they're going to turn out. A lot of you hear testimonies, and I've heard testimonies from up here. I've given testimonies of how God steps in and miraculously does certain miracles to people's lives. And you hear that, and it's awesome. And you praise God, and you're thanking God for his kindness and his mercy in that miracles. But there are just as many that prayed to God, and they did not get well. And there's just as many who their people did die. And there's just as many that hardship does come. And the thing is, I don't know whether it will come or not come. Solomon says that hardship comes on the godly and the ungodly. The death comes to the godly and the ungodly. It says sorrows and tribulations reign on godly and ungodly. I can't tell you how your tribulation will turn out. I have no idea, but I can tell you where you can find hope. The hope is to go ahead and say, God, I have no idea where this is going, but you're with me right now. We are walking through this together. I don't even know what to say. And most of the time in those tribulations, guys, I don't know how to pray. I simply say, you're with me. You said you would pray for me. Go for it. Because I don't know other than this, it is going to be okay. It is going to be okay. One of the most painful days of my life, and I've shared this story before, but one of the most painful days of my life was uh, the day that I got a phone call that my brother had killed himself. And he was not only my best friend, but he was my spiritual mentor. He was many people's spiritual mentor, and so it freaked us out. How could this happen to somebody like this? And I remember a guy that was a good friend of mine. His name was Bill Gillum. And he was kind of in a, kind of a mess too. And we were sitting across from each other. And he said, I can tell you this. I don't know what to say other than this. We are going to wink at each other. And we're going to say, God was with us and everything is going to be okay. That's my hope. That's my hope for you. Is that somehow you will embrace the fact that he's with you. Let me pause there and let you know what that means. You hear a lot of cliches, oh just trust in God. The word trust means to tie yourself together, to have intellectual mental assent that he is in you to force you to believe, that's what the word means. That I'm consciously, if I'm riding my motorcycle, we are riding my motorcycle. If I'm out fishing, we are fishing. I happened to meet a person down in Vegas today. We were in Vegas. It's this conscious awareness that his presence and mine are united together. And in that, then I'm okay. I'm like little Eli. Daddy, I just need to hold on here because... It is going to be okay. My future in this new body that says that I will have whatever it is, thanks for the glimpses of what it might be, but whatever it will be, it is going to be cool because you're the one giving it to me. My hope is in you, not in the new body. It's with Him, being with Him. In our religious world, we sometimes get it mixed up with some things that I think religion has given us. Sometimes we think that because we became believers that now we're to live our life just for him. It's always doing something for him. It's doing something for him. He doesn't need you to do something for him. He wants you to be with him. He says, I'm not interested in your sacrifices I want you to know me. That word means to be unionized with him. I'm not interested in your service. I want you to learn to love and abide in my love together. That's what he's looking for. Sometimes I think our theology gets us all mixed up where we feel like, oh, now that we're believers and now that we're Christians, we ought to know better. So if we do the right things, God will bless us with the right things If we do the wrong things, then that's why my son or my daughter's struggling over here because I have not been doing the right thing. I haven't been praying hard enough. That is a sick theology. It's not what God is, God is saying. Neither, when the guy was healed, he says, why was this guy sick? Was it because his parents sinned or because him sinned? And he said, neither. So God would show you his glory and he'd be glorified. If anything, I hope you grab from all the messages that we talk about here, Is this message in a nutshell you were designed to be a container for God to live in and have a relationship with God that he's with you and wherever you go even in the midst of your uh, continual struggle with addiction or whatever it might be then struggle with him struggle with him he's with you he's with you when you drive down this hill The more consciously you are aware that he is with you in the midst of this, you won't have things to say, you'll just listen. But I promise you the rest of what we read here will come true because the hope is in him that gives us the hope for the fact that we're going to have the salvation that it says here in verse 9. That salvation word is not being saved. That salvation means we get delivered from these sick bodies salvation from this earth suit salvation from this flesh that i have that continually haunts me to be selfish to be self-centered we get salvation from that i can't wait for that and he says if you will lean on me if you will embrace me and abide in me you will have salvation which will bring glory to god that means you're going to be relieved from this earth suit and you're going to relieve from this flesh can you just imagine what it will be like relief from your flesh I am just, that would be enough for me. Let's continue in the reading. Verse 5 says, Who are protected, guarded by this power of the presence of God through faith? That faith is to to bring about a particular belief for a salvation from our mortal bodies and our mortal state ready to be revealed in the last time in this you will greatly rejoice even though now while necessary you've been distressed by these various trials that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold which is perishable even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, but you believe in him. You greatly rejoice with joy, inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your soul. In the conclusion, when I was underneath the ground under there, when Senator Thune came and he got in the place, I had hope I would arrive at the right place at the right time. But there was something still unseen. I had no idea if the train would get held up or if something might happen or a terrorist terrorist might do this or maybe they would go ahead and they did a background check and they wouldn't let me on, I had no idea. But my hope was in the fact that the senator knew where to go and knew how to get me there. And so therefore I didn't fret. Anxiety was totally taken away completely and there was an incredible warmth of peace that surrounded me. Hope deferred brings anxiety. Hope realized brings an incredible peace. Would you pray with me? Father, I know that I have attempted the impossible. I have tried to explain things that only your spirit can bring revelation to. The world cannot understand them. They're totally spiritually appraised. We in our human abilities with our ears and our minds cannot grasp what we're talking about. It is so underneath the surface of the external happiness and joy that is presented by this world. I ask you to take these words and would you burn them into the hearts, the internal heart, the internal person who lives and sits out here, that they might know the importance and the reality of what it means to be inhabited by you. God with us. And that our hope would then be restored for this Advent. And we would look forward to that day when it is completed. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.